Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. One, two, three, testing. Testing. Our reading today comes from Psalm chapter 81. This psalm is part of book three in the Psalter. Now you'll notice The Psalms are divided into five different books, and in those books there are certain themes that repeat themselves. And in this specific book, book three of the Psalter, there's been a lot of lamentation, a lot of crying out to God to hear their prayer. Many think that the historical location of many of the Psalms is the exile. They're either in exile or they're going into exile. And the one thing that they refer back to in their history that is a lot like the exile is Egypt, Egyptian bondage. So, the story of the Exodus was very important, very powerful to the Israelite people as they were going into exile because that was the last time they were in bondage. That was a time when they cried out to God and God heard them and rescued them from their plight from slavery. And they're praying that God will do the same thing. So that's the background of this psalm. The Israelite people are going into exile or they are already in exile. The psalmist is referring back to what God did in the Exodus story. So as we read through this, you'll, you'll hear those residences in the background to Exodus. So see if you can pick them out where the psalmist is talking about the Exodus story. And also see where Israel is making some of the same mistakes they've always made throughout their history. And that's what got them into this bind in the first place. So let's read Psalm 81 in its entirety from the English Standard Version. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with a harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph, when he went over out of the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden, your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You should not bow down to a foreign God. I'm the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn their hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. So as you consider the background of this, more than likely this is in reference to the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is a a call to worship during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles celebrated God's leading and provision in the wilderness when the Israelites lived in tents. So imagine the tabernacle, you know, this movable dwelling place of God that would move with the Israelite camp and the Israelite people lived in tents. So this is what the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated. Notice the psalmist calls for complete praise. So it's audible praise with their mouth. They are singing with their vocal cords. They are crying out to God. This is heartfelt worship. And then every instrument under the sun, they're going to use that to make noise and praise to God. 
they're going to blow the trumpet. Now, some people pause with that and realize the trumpet usually was a call to war, but here it's actually a call to corporate worship. So a lot of times the shofar or the trumpet would be blown during the great pilgrim feast of the Jews to inaugurate the beginning of the festival. So that's probably what it's talking about. So you have this decree that goes out. Don't you notice in verse 5 it says, I hear a language I had not known. Now, I believe this is Yahweh talking. This is God. There's some debate, but I think the best scholarship falls on the side. This is God speaking here in the first person in the Hebrew in verse 5. So God says, I hear a language I had not known. Now, it could be translated, I hear a lip, possibly. I think what's going on here, and this is coming from other people that really know the Psalter, In the last few psalms, we've heard a lot of crying out where the Israelite people have cried out, Why, Lord? Why? How long? And so this is a response. God's heard that cry. He's heard the questions, Why? Why is this taking so long? What are you doing, Lord? Why are we going into exile? And now he's answering them and giving them the answer they need to hear. They may not want to hear it, but that's the answer they need to hear. So that's what's coming. He's heard them. He reminds them in verse 6, I relieved your burden. In Egypt, so there we have that. He doesn't really say Egypt there, but we know that's where that's coming from. Egyptian bondage, he eased their burden. They cried out. Remember, they cried out, Ze'ekah in Hebrew, and God heard them. That goes back to the Exodus story. The people cry out, and the Lord hears their cry. He remembers his covenant promises he made to Abraham, and he rescues his people. He sends Moses. Then it says, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. For doing Bible trivia, what do you think that's a reference to? I answered you in the secret place of thunder. That would be Mount Sinai, right? Sinai, where the thunderings and the the fire and God's presence and the cloud, mysterious. So God answers them from that secret place of Mount Zion. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. That maybe your antenna go up at this point, and you're thinking, now wait a minute. In the Exodus story, it says that Israel tested God at Meribah. But God's reminding them here. He's like, I'm sovereign. Actually, I was the one testing you. You were not testing me, and you failed the test miserably. So there's a little uh, slide of hand there in that verse. If you're thinking back to the Exodus story, that's a little bit of difference there. So he starts to admonish the Israelite people. Listen to me now. I'm, I'm going to talk to you and some, about some things you need to hear. Think about what my dad would say. You need to listen up. I'm about to bring some, some facts to you you need to listen to as I correct you for your behavior. He says, first of all, verse 9, you've broken the first commandment. You're not to have any other gods before me. Strange gods that you bow down to. And the Israelites had committed adultery. He reminds that he is the Lord. He is not just the Lord that created the world, but he's the Lord that redeemed them out of Egypt. And he says, I will take care of you. I will fill you up. I'll be the one to provide provisions for you. But here's the problem. They didn't listen. They had stubborn hearts just like they'd always had, and just like we tend to have sometimes. This is a warning for Christians, too. And that is why this calamity has come upon them, because they were stubborn in their hearts, and they didn't listen to God. But this psalm gives them hope. God, who rescued them before, will rescue them again. He will subdue their enemies. He will be victorious in the end. The God they serve is truly the Lord over all. So we think about just the long, sad story of humanity, of our endless quest to find something other than God to satisfy our deepest soul longings. We have these deep longings, and we 
search for everything but God to fill those needs. Whether it's power, or material possessions, sexual freedom like we see running rampant in America right now. Even some religion, we pick false religion to fill that void. We will pretty much latch on to anything that leaves us feeling like we are in control and that allows us to avoid being confronted by God because we want to manipulate the situation. But it's only by losing ourselves in God that we truly find our true selves. And I think that is a statement, I'm going to say that again, only when we lose ourselves in God do we truly find ourselves, our true self, what God intends for us. He alone can satisfy. I mean, when we think about it, verse 10, as I mentioned earlier, he says, open your mouth wide and, and I will fill it. Only God can fill that part of your soul that's God-shaped. Augustine of Hippo said that there is this longing that we have, these strivings that we have. Our souls are restless until they find their home in peace in God. I think that is so true, and I think that's what the psalmist is telling us. Only God can satisfy. I want you to think of this, though, as Christians. When Christ came, he came to give us life. Remember John 10, verse 10, he came to give us life. He said he was the fountain of living water in John 4, 14. He's the bread that comes from heaven, John 6, 38. In other words, you were made for him. Only Jesus can fill that void in your life. Not the things of this world, not the pursuits of this world, but only Christ. I want to read to you a quote from Augustine. I mentioned him earlier, so I want to read a direct quote from Augustine. I don't want to try to ad-lib this because I'll butcher it, so I'm going to read it in, in his words. Here it is. So what should we do in sharing the love of God, whose full enjoyment constitutes the happy life? Is it God from whom all things, or all those who love him, derive both their existence and their love? It is God who frees us from any fear that we can fail to satisfy anyone to whom he becomes known. It is God who wants himself to be loved, not in order to gain any reward for himself, but to give to those who love him an eternal reward, namely himself. You see, God doesn't call us to love him because he needs something. He wants us to love him so he can give us what's missing, what's incomplete. Because a long time ago in the garden, when Adam and Eve were thrown out, we lost something. We have been deprived of something. And only Jesus can fill that void. So walk with God. Enjoy him. Ponder and contemplate his love. And that will be your fullest humanity. Well, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for tuning in once again. And we will jump back into more readings from the General Epistles. I hope you're enjoying going through the General Epistles uh, with us on the Illuminated Word. Probably some more neglected parts of the Bible, but very much needed, very practical uh, for our walk as Christians. But thank you once again for joining us today. I hope to see you back tomorrow.